Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 156, the top 10 films of 2022. Well, hello there, ladies gentlemen of the north south east and west and welcome to another episode of film focus i am your host the hyperson 55 and i'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film related discussion and here we are pretty much at the end of the year 2023 is on the horizon but before the year is out we just have to do our top 10 list as we do every year now before i get into that i have to again apologize for the lack of content pretty much since the summer ended I have had plans left, right and center to do so much, but having a job, doing illustration on the side and also having, you know, is it random events to go to, people to catch up with, I just, I've never been good at organizing time. That's been one of my great failings since I left school, Um, but now it's become a little bit more complicated and I've always had a sort of mixture of planning, but also just going with the flow, but I've noticed now that that just doesn't work for the nature of how I conduct myself and how I wish to get certain things done. It's why so many films I ended up watching this year just didn't have reviews for it because one, I didn't organize the time properly, but also it's just mental fatigue. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you come from work or you watch a film and you're just too tired. Or sometimes it's a case where I don't have enough to say about a film to warrant a whole recording about it. But anyway, all that aside, you're here to hear me talk about my favorite content of the year. And I'm not gonna lie, making my top 10 this year has been the most difficult task since maybe 2018 when I ended up making a top 11 because there was a few films in that list that I just couldn't get rid of. So I was like, screw it, we're gonna do a top 11 instead. That was the one and only year that I think I cheated. But this year, It was weird because up until maybe the end of summer, maybe early September, my top 10 was locked. But then October came around and then November came around. And since December happened to be a point where I could catch up with a few films that I either didn't get around to seeing in the cinema or certain ones that became available online, I ended up watching a few of those. And the last minute changes that happened over the past two to three weeks is mental. And I had to make some impossible cuts that hurt me physically so yeah with this i will mention all of the films that were in my top 10 or you know i want to highlight as films that i enjoyed but didn't make the cut and then we'll actually talk about you know the top 10 itself so without further ado ladies and gentlemen let's jump in all right so now we're going to talk about our special mentions and i have quite a few but i'll try to go through them as quickly as possible starting with everything everywhere all at once I know, I know, I can literally just hear all sorts of people talking about how crazy I am, how this film isn't in my top 10, I must be insane, foolish, I didn't watch the film, I need to rewatch it or some sort of nonsense like that. But here's the thing, everything everywhere all at once, I appreciate it for what it is, there were a lot of really fascinating, cool, weird and wonderful elements to it, it was a roller coaster ride of emotions, and Michelle Yeoh is amazing, and so is that dude from Indiana Jones. 
and I quite like the uh, you know the daughter character as well. And while I really enjoyed the action and some of the uh, different universes that had like different things to say, the film just didn't resonate with me on that high frequency that a lot of people were going on about. And I think it's also just uh, maybe my expectations were set too high because there were people going on about this film since about January this year. And I was looking forward to seeing something that was going to, you know, rock my world. And in the end, it just didn't. Um, I still quite enjoyed the movie. It's just that, you know, it wasn't for me. Uh, you also have Chippendale Rescue Rangers. This was a film I had no interest in seeing at all. But when I started seeing some of the uh, memes and images of Ugly Sonic coming back, and I'm like, well, wait, no, we, we got rid of him. We banished him to the Shadow Realm. But then he came back in this film, so I was like, okay, let me go watch it. And Chippendale was hella fun, man. It had such an interesting array of different animation styles, various different characters from pop culture, and, you know, it had a... Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of vibe going on with it, but I really enjoyed the cast, I enjoyed how they utilized the characters, and certain elements about how the story and characters played out that related to my childhood in terms of seeing, like, uh, bootleg versions or, like, you know, uh, off-brand versions of certain uh, Disney DreamWorks and that kind of stuff that you used to see in, like, those, uh, you know, one-pound shops or, like, um, you know, stuff like that. It was mad. The film was really fun, though. You also have See How They Run, a film I was intrigued about from the time I saw the first trailer, but didn't expect to have as much fun as I did with it. Saoirse Ronan has been one of my favorite people to see since I saw her in The Lovely Bones, and she has become such a fabulous actor over the years. And she plays really well off of Sam Rockwell. David Oyelowo is always fun to watch in films, and Adrian Brody, he was great. It was a cool, classic whodunit kind of thing but it was shot very well, I quite liked the music, a very solid film. And then you have Prey, a film that I was cautiously optimistic about from the time I saw the trailers. I was done with the Predator franchise after 2018 with that garbage last entry, but this one with its new setting, the focus on the indigenous people, having a female lead, having a Predator who was a little bit more rough around the edges but had a different weapon set, Looked a little different from his, like, uh, you know, uh, next set of people that would be showing up in the later Predator movies. And the action and gore was fab. So good. It did end in a way that I didn't feel was as satisfactory, and I wish it had utilized some of the other characters better, but it was a solid film, and I'm definitely curious to see what happens with uh, the franchise going forward. You also have X, a film that I don't think I saw much about up until its release, but... I quite enjoyed the cast. Mia Goff was great. I always liked seeing Kid Cudi and stuff. The film was really well framed, well executed. I really liked its use of color, lighting, and tension. Good God. And yeah, the gore in the film was really well done as well. So a very solid film, in my opinion. Uh, you also have The Woman King, a film that I quite enjoyed. I didn't love it as much as I would have liked, but at the same time, I still had a good time with it. The action scenes were really well done. The choreography felt nicely done, but not too well, like, you know, overly done. There was a rawness and intensity to it. I love seeing, like, uh, the female warriors getting amped up and then, like, you know, is it basically killing loads of dudes. Viola Davis is amazing. She can do no wrong. John Boyega was so good. And he had a limited role compared to everybody else, where he was great. Lashana Lynch was great. The other lady who was the second in command, she was good. And the younger lady, whose name I 
did forget as well apologies but they were really good i i had a good time with the movie overall and then you have dragon ball super superhero man that film was fun and coming from someone who really was turned off by the move to uh 3d animation they did a really good job of telling a more intimate story focusing on piccolo pan and gohan and then introducing two new androids who were part of the red ribbon army and the way in which they were able to take some of this deep cut dragon ball lore and then make it relevant again and then find ways to utilize some of these side characters that we haven't seen as much of was really good and yeah again the 3d animation while not always consistent when it worked it was pretty damn good yes there are some issues that you could take with you know the overall plot the way it does some more additional retcons and you know the new transformations which are kind of weird and you know feel like they're you know pulled out of someone's ass but when it's fun you can't deny that is really good and then you have one piece film red and i quite enjoyed this one it still doesn't reach the hype heights of stuff like uh strong world or stampede but i quite enjoyed you know the setting seeing uta and learning about her backstory you know shanks and having some of this deep cut uh one piece lore which was really cool the songs were fantastic and varied and the colorful visuals during some of those music video segments was great and the film had a lot more depth to it than i expected a little bit more sinister and uh, obviously it still has that trademark humor that makes it good but yeah man just some solid stuff overall and then we have two of the films that i really wanted to put on my top 10 that were there for the longest time but they ended up like having to be booted so first up we have sonic 2 and if you listen to my review earlier on this year you know that sonic 2 i was gushing about from a fan perspective it gave me everything i could have wanted it gave us sonic it gave us knuckles it gave us tails it gave us deep cut lore and references from the video games galore in the best way possible and this definitely felt more like a sonic film than the first one did was it a little muddled did it go on a little too long were the human characters not well utilized yes 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 and yes but when the film was fun it was so fun it just elba as knuckles was great colleen o'shaughnessy was great as tails seeing the formation their relationship was fun and Oh, the action sequences were super good, especially the Sonic Heroes X parts towards the end and the post credit scene. Woo! So nice. And then you have Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which I really enjoyed on an emotional level, just the way in which it decided to tell this story about grief and loss and be a very heavy and dramatic movie was pretty damn good. And learning about this new version of Namor his underwater kingdom of like Talukan and seeing the way they introduced like uh the lack of better term like uh Atlanteans utilizing them as like bloody sirens making people walk to their deaths and stuff and seeing their different water weapons and how they went up against the Wakandans and the chaos that ensued with battling kingdoms uh learning more about the vibranium and yeah just there was so much good stuff in there the cast were all well handled there were some really great dramatic performances in here and while i think the film did go on a little longer there were certain decisions made by certain characters that were just weird and some characters just didn't need to be in this film if we really wanted to you know was it put things in perspective overall though i still quite enjoyed it it's just that certain things about it just made it slip out of the top 10 all right and now we're going to start with the actual top 10 starting with glass onion 
Now, I quite enjoyed Knives Out. It was one of my favorite films of that year. I am always interested in a whodunit murder mystery. And since you had this family who were made up of an eclectic bunch of really great actors and with Daniel Craig playing a very charismatic and unusual character to the sort of people that we've seen him play before, it was a very well handled movie. So I was super excited to see what they were going to do with a sequel. And considering the cast that Ryan had assembled and the different setting and all that, I was like, okay, let's see what's going on. I was pissed I never got to see it in the cinema, but my local cinema is crap, so I had to wait for it on Netflix. But I quite enjoy Glass Onion. I think in some ways I enjoy it more, but then there's also certain things about it that I don't like as much as Knives Out. What I do enjoy about this film is the setting, the change of pace from what we got from the last film. The color scheme is wonderful. The utilization of uh, lighting and shadows during like uh, their time on the island is pretty cool. And the sets of these exterior and interior locations feel like they're meticulously crafted in such a wonderful way. And the costume design is great for everybody involved. And I just like this random group of individuals who seem at first, you know, sort of all separate, but they're all unified by one individual. And then seeing how the film plays out, how we learn more about them and, you know, was it some of their, you know, more questionable things. And having Daniel Craig playing like, you know, was it Mr. Blanc, which was great. Uh, Edward Norton was fabulous as this douchebag character. Janelle Monet, I love her to bits. And this is like one of my favorite roles she's ever had. And Dave Bautista seems to be going from strength to strength whenever he's in new movies. Yeah, just everybody in this film was really good. And it's a lot more elaborate, absurd and weird. And just when you think you're understanding where this film is going, it does do a few zigs when you expect it to zag. And yeah, man, it's just a crazy weird film, but in a really fun kind of way. All right, at number nine, we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Now, I've only seen the original Disney version and the 90s live action one, which was super weird and creeped me out as a kid. Uh, but I was very much looking forward to this new film just because it was a stop motion animated movie. And that is a form of animation that doesn't get as much love as it should do but i thought this version of pinocchio was fascinating sad depressing but also teaches you some life lessons also has like you know certain historical elements which i did not expect you know some of that fascist like stuff going on which was just mental but it was really well done i really liked the voice cast Especially when I heard my boy Ewan McGregor and Christoph Waltz. I love those guys. Uh, also having people like Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton also helps. But yeah, just a great utilization of cast. The character design for everybody has this interesting caricature cartoonish kind of look, but also has like a slight element of realism to everybody. And just the way everything moves, it's all meticulously done and it's all well animated i like the sense of scope and just everything feels like it's grounded like you could touch it and is the film is also unexpectedly funny in some like you know is it standard but also kind of morbid ways me and my mum and my sister were having a good time laughing at some of the absurd nature of like things happening in this film but yeah del toro never bet against him because this guy he puts out some good ass stuff 
Alright, and then we have at number 8, Decision to Leave. This is a film I saw within the past week, I think. And I'd heard on a podcast that it was pretty good. Obviously, it came from the director of Old Boys, so it holds a certain level of prestige in that department. So I was like, okay, let me see what's going on with this film. And I quite enjoyed it. It was an interesting detective story about a dude who was investigating the murder of a guy who fell off a cliff and his wife who's still alive was at the center of the murder and just seeing how that whole thing plays out was pretty damn interesting the film has some moments of humor but it's mostly a serious film but the way in which it uh, messes with time has very interesting scene transitions and just the way in which it plays around with uh you know was it conventional filmmaking at least when it comes to the west was fascinating to me and there's a point in this film where it kind of feels like it ends, but then it has a whole extra half to it. It kind of reminds me of when I went to see, uh, was it A Place Beyond the Pines? Is that what you call that film? Where that film sort of has its own natural ending point, but then there's a whole second half of that film that focuses on additional characters. But the performances from the two main actors was great. And just the film looks so nice. It's a very beautiful film. The film score was pretty good. And the way that film ended, good gravy, man. Oh, I was feeling things. But yeah, Decision to Leave, if you haven't checked it out, give it a look. And then at number seven, we have Enter Galactic. The new animated film, well, it's not so new now, but the animated film from my boy Kid Cudi. Now, I had planned to watch this ages ago, but time again was not on my side. But I recently watched it and I quite enjoyed it. The character design, the art, everything about this film was screaming to me. And, you know, as a creative myself, especially someone who does illustration, this kind of stuff will always grab my attention straight away. And I know that there were comparisons to Into the Spider-Verse, and I can definitely see that. But this film seems to go a little bit different in terms of how it utilizes, you know, the uh, lower frames of animation. And I think it also does this more interesting style where even though there's a lot of it that's animated in 3D, there's a lot of it that looks like it's 2D or it must be 2D, where I feel like a lot of the environments were built with 3D in mind, obviously without any uh, outlines, but then just to a certain degree afterwards, it just looks like painted backgrounds. And I think the way they utilize 3D and 2D animated elements together to create this kaleidoscope image of color where it feels like a mixture of watercolor with graffiti and 3D elements that are just brought together, it's fabulous. Certain moments I'm literally just stunned at like the way in which the film is crafted and it makes me inspired to go about and create something, even a fifth of what that is, but even the plot it's simple yet effective. It's about two characters who are fellow creatives in different departments who happen to live next door to each other and then find this budding romance that comes along and the trials and tribulations that come with that. And it's just a really fun, heartfelt, cute and uh, intense kind of story. I like the uh, side characters, their friends and some of the other supporting cast. Some of these uh, people in the movie actually looked like their actors which was really surprising but again i'm super happy for my boy kid cuddy i've been a big fan for a while and just seeing him come up not only as an actor but also as a musician who you know did the whole of the soundtrack as well it was great uh and a galactic fabulous stuff 
And then at number six, we have Top Gun Maverick. Now, I had been super hyped for this film for a while just because after seeing that first trailer, I was like, yo, man, these guys aren't playing around. They are really doing the whole nine yards in terms of creating a more realistic take on uh, people flying around in fighter jets and creating, uh, you know, very well done cinematic action sequences. And while I think some people hype this film up to the moon, which led to me being not as in love with it as I would have liked, the film is still mighty impressive. A sequel this far removed from its predecessor has no right to be as good as it is. But the way in which they were able to uh, pay homage to the original while also just taking the foundation and stepping it up in every way conceivable was great. It's interesting because Maverick is in some ways just a, you know, a sort of modern rehash of the original, but it's just refined more. It has, a, you know, a more interesting cast of characters um, greater conflict and a little bit more depth considering like uh, where Tom Cruise's character was in the original to where he is now and the mission that they end up going on which is just so much tension and chaos and I'm just like oh seeing that in the cinema I was freaking out um, I really wish I got to see it in IMAX because like seeing it on a super big screen probably would have like you know rocked my world but yeah Top Gun Maverick was just super intense well-crafted mostly practical fun and i had a blast with it and then at number five we have tony hawk until the wheels come off i had heard about this documentary ages ago i think back during the summer but i didn't end up seeing it until i think the tail end of august and i'm not really big into skating i've only ever just watched friends do it from a distance but i have a major respect for it and this film was just fascinating to watch. I think it did a great job of peeling back the curtain and showing you why Hawk is as popular as he is and also demonstrate all the effort that went into it. The way in which it chrono uh, chronicles his like early life to how he got to where he is right now and all the fellow skaters who was like, you know, coming up with him and then, you know, is it hearing about like a uh, all the various different things that was happening in the skating world as like Tony Hawk came up, then obviously got his video games and how as an older guy, he's, uh, you know, still skating, still trying to pull off some of these crazy ass tricks. And the amount of times you see him fail, it hurts. And he still just keeps going. He has this tenacity, this will, this willpower to just get the job done at all costs. It's crazy, but it's so good. I fell in love with the documentary and it was just a fascinating like you know insight into that world. Okay at number four we have Moon Age Daydream. I had been looking forward to this film for ages. Well mostly after I saw the trailer for it which I think was in early side of September but yeah Moon Age Daydream was just an experience and a half. The best way to describe it is a sort of audio visual experience of archive footage some other like material sprinkled in throughout and if you're any sort of bowie fan you owe it to yourself to check this film out it has such an interesting way of crafting all this archive footage of bowie's performances interviews uh you know some of the fashion stuff some of the other individuals who were talking to him at the time uh, could use a voiceover and like live and you know studio versions of his songs all smashed together in this interesting sort of film art project 
which I know some people have said it might be a little pretentious or like uh, lacks cohesion or doesn't tell a mu as much of like, you know, Bowie's life as you would like in a typical documentary, but it's not really a documentary. It's just an experience that's hard to describe. You just need to see it to believe. But I saw that in IMAX and I was mesmerized in the best way. So, yo, man, if you haven't checked it out, give it a watch. All right, and at number three, we have The Menu, a film that sort of just jumped out of nowhere into this top 10 after I saw it. But yeah, man, just having these various different people come to this island to try some of the most fancy, well-crafted food by the head chef who is, you know, famous and also played by Ray Fiennes. And then to see how that film actually plays out with the bloody chaotic and, you know, crazy results that play out afterwards was just great the cast were fantastic the setting was great the island that he's on has like you know <laughs> bloody james bond villain vibes and i loved the lighting i loved the film score i thought the plot was great the ending has like a certain way about it that you know i was sort of i'm not too sure how to feel about it but just everyone was great uh anya taylor joy nicholas holt Obviously, Ray Fiennes, um, John Leguizamo. I love that guy. Yeah, man, just oh, that film was great. All right, and now we get to the last two, which haven't actually moved since I saw them. So at number two, we have The Northman. Now, oh, God, this film was intense. A very well-crafted film with an interesting setting, great cast, and just a raw, intense visceral vibe going on from start to finish i had a feeling that this film was going to be good from the time i saw the first trailer but then seeing it in uh london i think just before it left the cinemas was great i just <laughs> it's hard to describe but it's just like seeing the film play out being mostly grounded visceral intense crazy action sequences with uh you know was it very long takes with not too much editing a lot of violence but also having these fantastical fantasy elements sort of uh, sprinkled within and then having that sort of end battle near that volcano oh my god ridiculous but the cast were great i vibe with the film so hard and uh yeah man it's just it left a strong impression on me and now finally we get to our number one and if you know me, it's not going to be much of a surprise, but it is The Batman. Matt Reeves did such a fantastic job at creating this new version of this character who we got to see do a little bit more of the detective side of things, where you got to see things play out in a more methodical, well-played-out kind of way, and seeing these different interpretations of characters that we've seen either in live action or in animated form beforehand like you know was great uh paul dano's riddler like uh zoe kravitz's catwoman or this new version of batman played by robert pattinson it was great i like seeing the character dynamics between people like batman and gordon or batman and the riddler or batman and catwoman and the way in which they depicted gotham is probably the best version we've seen in live action since the tim burton movies just because it feels dark and grimy and gritty. The architecture looks great. The fact that you have all these various different locations from Gotham PD to the club that the Penguin owns and Penguin played by Colin Farrell. Good Lord, he was amazing. 
the way sound is utilized in this film is intense and scary. The film score by my boy Michael Cicchino is amazing. And the action scenes are so well handled with like, you know, that very low lit setting, a lot of shadows, the way in which they really make Batman feel like a creature of the night that puts the fear and intimidation in everybody who he comes across. The way in which we get this interesting journey of like uh, Batman using like, you know, anger and violence and revenge to go about and like, you know, just mess people up, but then realize that there's another way to, you know, was it be a hero and, uh, you know, just seeing Batman in his early years, like, you know, still trying to figure himself out, uh, not be as good of a detective as you would have think, thought about. And this new version of, like, the Batmobile, which is, like, a muscle car that just sounds like a bloody engine. <laughs> it's like a monster itself. <laughs> yeah, man, the Batman is just great. I don't think there's another film that's come close to it. I mean, Moon Age Daydream and The Northman definitely came up high, but the Batman is still my favorite thing. Uh, it, it just ticked all the right boxes alright and that's my top 10 done ladies and gentlemen what do you think do you think I'm right or wrong or insane I'm sure I'll get one of all three holler at me in the comment section below or holler at me on twitter where I'm at hypersonic 55 or at filmfocus55 check out the podcast on soundcloud itunes spotify and all other places where podcasts can be found and yeah man I'm not going to make any promises that I'm going to do more or less next year. I'm just going to be like, have patience with me. Stick around if you can. And 2023 has got some pretty crazy movies on the horizon, especially for the next three months. So be sure to check out the podcast for that. I think the first thing of next year that will be out will be my most anticipated films for 2023. So look out for that in early January. But from me at film focus thank you for listening thank you for being around during 2022 happy new year and all that crap and uh i'll see you later so until the next time this is the hypersonic 5 signing out peace